It's my privilege and honour to introduce my wife, Sarah, to you as she comes to share over the word. Give her a hand. <laughs> Thanks, Joshua. Good morning. How's everyone going? Wasn't that beautiful? Thank you, worship team. Um, it's great to be in church, great to be sharing. And Josh and I actually haven't shared for a little while and I'll share a bit more about, um, I guess, the season we've been in. But um, I swallowed a fly on the way into church this morning. <laughs> Has anyone ever swallowed a fly? Hopefully that song's not true. I know an old lady who swallowed a fly. She's going to die. <laughs> um, no, I actually coughed it back up. I was talking to Whitney and she witnessed me coughing it back up. <laughs> Otherwise it might have flown out of my mouth right, right now. I don't know if that means anything. Anyway, as I said, good to be speaking. I heard Swelly did an awesome message last week on the burden of Jesus being light and his yoke easy. So catch up on SoundCloud if you missed that one. Every, all our messages are on SoundCloud if you want to catch up. Josh and I were actually on Kids Church last week, which is always a treat. And I just wanted to share a little snippet with you. Um, we were talking about Samuel and, you know, a young generation hearing from God. And we had a little bit of a, like we shared the Bible story and then we had a little bit of a worship time. And um, I encouraged the kids to just see if God wanted to tell them anything and if they wanted to pass that on. And, and at the end of the worship time, I was contemplating taking like, you know, the primary school age kids out and um, leaving the creche kids with Josh and... Um, you know, just maybe asking the older kids what God had spoken to them because, you know, you think you know, they can express it. And Anyway, and then I thought, no, let's just all stay together. And we all stayed together. And it was actually one of our little five-year-old boys who opened up about some stuff he was going through and some things God had put in his heart. And then one of our four-year-old girls who just said, oh, can I pray for you? She actually said, can I pray for him? And um, I just thought, isn't that beautiful? Our, our little ones that are even you might think, I almost thought they'd be too young to understand. They'd be too young to uh, actually hear from God and articulate it. But like, silly me, I should know that no one is too young. So I just want to encourage you with your own children, people in your own lives. God wants to speak young, old, and uh, he's more than able to speak to us. So that was pretty cool. Anyway, great to be speaking, as I said. And um, a lot has been happening behind the scenes in church life at the moment. I guess um, Josh and I have really had it on our heart to strengthen some of the weak points in church life. And you know, I love here at Highway, there is such a sense of community and life and just of the presence of God. And I hope if you're visiting with us today that you've been blessed and that you feel welcome. There's a sense of welcome home in this church. But I think to grow as a church, we also need to have structures and systems and processes in place so that as people come in and love this church, that we can help them grow, that we can help people be planted and um, I guess sustain that growth also. So this is just a little bit of housekeeping then I'll get in to um, my message. So yeah, we can have an awesome heart and atmosphere and culture, but we've got to have the structure to help sustain that. And um, we've been working probably with the eldership and with our team over the last three to six months, just really trying to establish some of those systems and structures. And who knows that when you're putting systems in place, it's a lot of work initially, but then it makes things run a lot more smoother and efficiently. So we've been spending a lot of energy on that and um, probably while we haven't spoken for a little while, but I'm excited to be sharing today. So for example, just to keep you in the loop, we've actually um, recently got a new child safe database, which we're really excited about because it's going to help keep our kids safe and um, working with children's checks, all the things that we need to do, training, etc., etc. We'll be rolling that out with the church and um, I think that's really going to strengthen church life. We've also got another software database called Alvanto, which is really going to help with welcome and follow-up, discipleship, keeping people, I guess, um, 
in the loop, contactable. It's also going to help with our children's ministry. Um, another thing we're looking at is something called Growth Tracks, which is just basically a welcome to church course. So if you're new in church life and you want to know more about our church and our heart, and it also goes through like spiritual gifts, and um, it's just going to help us grow on a number of levels. And then one of the other things that we've actually um, recently tapped into is actually a Symbus marriage course, marriage training course. And Josh and I have had the privilege of walking Ryan and Ebony through that, who have recently been married. Um, Jay and Marissa, who got married yesterday. Congratulations, Jay and Marissa, if you're listening online. And Stephen Morrison also got married yesterday, and I know Dean walked them through that. So congratulations to all of those wonderful um, couples. And that has been an awesome tool. And the testimonies of those ones who have gone through that marriage counselling, who are now telling their friends, and then their friends are coming and saying, can we do that? So I'm just telling you all of this because it's good for you to know what's going on in the background of church life, adding some things in that are going to help strengthen the processes and the system so that as we go forwards, we can grow. And um, again, it's a bit of a slow process, but hopefully you'll be hearing more about that in the future. And you know, like why live in the dark ages when we've got when we've got all these state-of-the-art systems and processes that are proven to help churches grow. And I think that's really exciting to be tapping into that and seeking wisdom from people who have used these things to also help us go forwards. And I guess in a way, God's been upgrading the engine room of the church so that we can be more efficient and go forwards in greater strength. And he's doing a new thing, but I also think he's been upgrading the engine room of our lives and going deeper within us in the last season. And I guess renewing our thinking, I think that's always, we're always growing in that, making sure that we're not getting stuck in old ways of thinking, old ways of thinking. And I love um, Henry Ford. I'm not sure, you might've heard this quote, I've probably shared it before, but when he invented the car, he said, if I had have given the people what they wanted, I would have given them faster horses and carts. And I just think that's so profound because often what we think we need in the future and our plans for the future. God's plans are actually so way beyond what we could ever dream or construct or imagine. And so I just think God is leading us into something new as a church and in our individual lives as we head basically into a new year. And I guess I just want to encourage us at the outset to not limit what we think God is going to do because it's probably so far beyond us and it will blow our minds. All right. And I believe, and this is we'll link in with what I'm going to share in a moment, I believe a large part of what God is doing in us is actually just calling us into deeper relationship with him and with others. And um, it's just been an incredibly, I guess, a sweet season. There's grace on relationship to connect with God, to connect with others. And I'm not sure if you've been here when we've been doing church in small groups. That's been really awesome, hey, just to go a bit deeper, get to know people. Um, we've also been playing the Judas Smith series on overcoming anxiety. Again, um, Josh wanted to bring that to the church. And that has been amazing and revolutionary and has really talked about the power of community and coming back into that small group and sharing the burden of life with one another. So again, there's some other things that I think have been really important and that God is going to continue to lead us in. All right, everyone tracking? It's just, just housekeeping because I haven't spoken for a while. Got all this stuff in my head to share with you. So, um, yeah, and you know, the tightening of systems and structures will help strengthen church life. But then I guess we never want to lose that sense of openness and welcome and the beautiful presence of God that people love when they come into this church. And it's credit to you, church, because you have created that. And I think um, 
if we want to maintain that, we've got to keep our hearts soft and we've got to be continuing to surrender our lives to God because that is where the sweet presence of God flows from. So we've been working on strengthening our weaknesses and strengthening our strengths, which is this beautiful sense of community and welcome home which we have in this church. That is all as way of introduction. But I want to jump off here for the rest of my message. As I just touched on, I think in this season there is such a grace on relationship. And uh, yeah, I just feel it's God-ordained. The people that uh, all of a sudden just softening the connections, the conversations. It's been beautiful just to see and hear testimonies of people who are just, just hungry for God. And um, Amos 9, there's a few verses in here that have been on my heart for this season we are coming into and it speaks of blessing and um, who knows that part of God preparing us for blessing is to go deeper in our hearts it's to enlarge us because I've heard someone say if the process doesn't make us the destination will break us and I just think part of the season we've been in as a church and as individuals is God preparing us at a deeper level to contain what he wants to do so Amos 9 uh, verse 11 to I think it's about 15 in the message it might pop up it says it's it's headed blessings like wine pouring off the mountains and I just really have felt this on my heart for the season we're in and coming into it says but also on that judgment day I will restore David's house that has fallen to pieces I'll repair the holes in the roof replace the broken windows fix it up like new David's people will be strong again and seize what's left of enemy Edom plus everyone else under my sovereign judgment God's decree he will do this yes indeed it won't be long now God's decree things are going to happen so fast your head will swim one thing fast on the heels of the other you won't be able to keep up Everything will be happening at once and everywhere you look, blessings. Isn't that beautiful? Blessings like wine pouring off the mountains and the hills. I'll make everything right again for my people, Israel. They will, they'll rebuild their ruined cities. They'll plant vineyards and drink good wine. They'll work their gardens and eat fresh vegetables and I'll plant them. Plant them on their own land. They'll never again be uprooted from the land I've given them. God, your God says so. Isn't that a beautiful picture of blessing? And I really feel that 2020 is going to be an incredible year. And... Um, People have spoken that out over Josh and I, but not just for here. I was at Sisterhood. Kath and I went up to Hillsong Sisterhood. When was it? Last week, two weeks ago. And Bobby Houston shared the same thing. She said she's heard from the testimony of many amazing preachers around the world that 2020 is going to mark an incredible move of God. And I just think God is brooding. He's preparing. He's softening hearts in preparation to actually just pour out this incredible blessing. And I feel a large part of it is relational blessing. It's just to connect with people. It's to point people to God. It's even for us to connect with God. There's just a softening of hearts, a blessing that he wants to pour out. But as we learnt from Adam, we can't just quote the one verse and not look at the rest of the chapter. Thanks, Adam. He's out at Kids Church. Uh, there's actually a lot more <laughs> in Amos. And so I just wanted to look at the whole story and see what we can glean out of it, which is <laughs> painful. Because I was reading and reading Amos and I'm like, God, what is in here that I can encourage people with? It's largely about the judgment of God, like for the whole nine chapters and then there's a few verses at the end that are, that are promised. And, you know, I was really praying, God, what, what do you want me to tell the people? What's going to encourage them? <laughs> it's so depressing. And like Adam said, a lot of, some of the Bible is just like, why is this in here? Like, you know, again, a lot of the Old Testament is the judgment of God. Um, but, and Amos is no exception 
it's actually talking about the message of Amos is the people are all about themselves. They've actually forgotten to care for others. They've got their nice houses and they've got a nice life and everything's looking great on the outside, but they've forgotten about their heart for others. And so I think it's a great part, um, a large part of the message of Amos. And interestingly, actually, Hosea and Amos, um, both prophets, are prophesying at the same time to the people of Israel. And Amos's focus is on you've lost your love for others. You've lost your heart for others. It's largely about social justice. And then Hosea is also prophesying at the same time and saying you've lost your love for God. You've lost your devotion for him and you're worshipping other things. So obviously the house of Israel has lost the plot. And these two prophets are here. Come on, guys, come on. But you know what? They prophesied judgment and the destruction of Israel. And um, 30 years later or so, it happens when northern Israel is invaded by Assyria. So you think, well, what's the point of that? But firstly and simply, I believe the countless stories in the Old Testament before Jesus of God's people trying to love him, trying to live holy lives and failing is just a beautiful reminder of how much we need Jesus and how much in our own efforts we can never do that. And I think that's one thing I always take from the Old Testament, that we have grace now and that we live in grace. And, um, and yes, God still desires us to love him as Hosea was urging them and he still desires us to love others. They're the main things as Amos was urging the people of Israel But the difference is we have the grace of God to enable and empower us on our journey of faith. And um, we're not alone. We've got free access to the presence of God. We don't have to earn it. And I just think it's good to be reminded because, you know, we say, maybe for those of us who have been a Christian for a while, yeah, yeah, saved by grace, you know, we don't strive. But I just think it's so easy to live like they did in the Old Testament, to get a little bit caught up in striving performance, especially in our fast-paced lives. So I guess I just wanted to firstly encourage us from Amos that um, to tap into grace, because as we see in Amos, it doesn't work without grace, and um, we're going to continue to fall short. And may we, the more we grow, the less we know, the more we grow, may we be tapping into grace in a greater way. And I know that would be Josh and I's story as we've grown. <laughs> we just realised, gosh, we know nothing. And um, we more and more need grace and have grace for others. And I think that's the way it should be. May we grow in grace, not be depleted in grace as we grow in years. Um, and even as we get towards the end of the year, I guess, I just want to encourage us. The natural pull is to become weary and our tethers to be more short. But may we become even more gracious um, by the grace of God and tap into fresh springs of him. All right, so some specific areas. So that was just a little um, insight into grace. And again, I know Swelly spoke a great message along these lines about the burden of Jesus being light last week. Grace, by definition, is the freely given unmerited favour and love of God, the influence or spirit of God operating in humans to regenerate or strengthen them. Isn't that a beautiful definition? The kindness of God, the influence or the spirit of God operating to regenerate and strengthen. And how much do we need that? And uh, the Hebrew meaning of the word grace um, is favour, as I just said. The root word is chen, derived from shanan, to bend or stoop in kindness to another. And actually, it said that in that psalm you read out, Ryan, about the angel bending down. And I think that's a bit of grace as well, even being extended. All right, so I feel God is pouring his unmerited favour upon a few different areas. His kindness, his ability to regenerate and strengthen. And I don't know why, but 
There seems to be certain graces upon certain churches, certain graces upon certain individuals, and in certain times, God graces things, um, certain things, and who knows the mind and the mystery of God beyond me, but I think um, the main thing is that it is unmerited, the favor of God, so it's no formula to be like, do this, this, and this, and then the grace of God will come. It's just the mind and heart of God, and all of a sudden, he's like, I'm going to just grace relationship, or I'm just going to pour out this grace upon this area. And I don't think there's a formula, but I do think asking always helps. And I was sharing in pre-service prayer um, the number of times I have been at the end of my rope and just said, God, I'm at the end of myself. Please, thank you for grace. Can you know help me to tap into a fresh grace? And I feel a tangible shift in my circumstance. So I think it never hurts to ask. Ask and you will receive. And um, I believe God always wants to give good gifts to us. All right, you know that verse from Matthew 5, 3. You're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. With less of you, there is more of God and his rule. And for anyone here who's maybe feeling like you're at the end of your rope, I pray that that verse um, would be encouraging for you and that you might just even this morning feel a fresh impartation of grace. All right, so I'm drawing towards the end now, but I'm going to finish with four points. That's what Judah Smith said. I've actually still got a bit to go, but I'm saying I'm finishing, so you'll keep listening. Um, I I just have four areas that I really feel God is gracing, and I'm not going to talk too long on each of them. But the first one is relationship, as I've already said so far. And you know what? Amos 9.11 precedes the great blessing I spoke of earlier. And this is what Amos 9.11 says. It may pop up, otherwise I'll read it from my notes. But also on that judgment day, I will restore David's house that has fallen to pieces. I'll repair the holes in the roof, replace the broken windows, fix it up like new. David's people will be strong again and seize what's left. So the, the background of this is, you know, the house of David has actually been split. The tribes of Israel, there's 10 that have gone one way, there's two that have gone another way, and there's division and fracture. So I think this is really key, and we know that where there is unity, God commends the blessing. The first thing God speaks of after all this judgment, before he gets to the blessing, is restoring the house of David to its former glory. And I just think that's really important. Relationship is so key. We're talking about this blessing, but it only, is, it only comes after relationship has been restored. And so I just wonder if God in his infinite wisdom and glory is like, I want to pour out this abundant blessing on you, but I see that you need to be knitted together tightly in relationship before you can contain it. And so there's a grace on relationship at the moment to knit us to him, to knit us to each other, to connect people who are searching because God knows that that's going to precede the incredible blessing that he wants to pour out. And um, I, for us, it's just we love talking to people whether it's at Little Athletics or at the boys' soccer, like just just even just saying to someone, how are you? And they'll probably open up, someone open up about their marriage issues to me the other day and then at Little Athletics the next day, someone was telling me about the pain that their daughter's in and asking for prayer. And I just think in this season, we don't really have to do anything. It's just being a listening ear, saying to someone, how are you going? And really being available and showing care and empathy. And people... People want to talk. People want to have someone who actually can just maybe sow a word of hope or encouragement. And I'm sure in your own lives, you've all got your own stories of that. So I just want to encourage you. God's gracing relationship. Be aware of that. Be encouraged. Be confident in your own worlds. Just to be out there and and blessing people. Because I believe everyone in this room has so much to offer. And again, if it's the grace of God operating... It's God, you know, we can, we can just be available and we don't have to, I guess, strive. He will do the work. And something that I found a little bit interesting in relation to this, one of the things we learned in marriage counselling, 
Josh and I have been learning as much, I think, as the couples who were doing it. <laughs> um, you know, we can be people orientated or we can be task orientated. And I think that's been really interesting and helpful for Josh and I to understand the different ways that we are wired. And I would say that Josh is people orientated and I am task orientated because, for example, like I've, the bin's full and I'll be like, oh, Josh, the bin's full. And I know I could take it out, but. Um, I said, Josh, can you go get the red bin from out on the street? You know, it was like bin day the, the day before, so I can put this rubbish in because, you know, I can't clean up the kitchen while the bin's full. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I'll go get the bin. And I'm like, half an hour later, I'm like, where is Josh? I need to empty this bin and get dinner cooking. And then I look on the front veranda and he stopped to talk to the neighbour. And he just, Josh is people orientated. And I will be like, get the jobs done. And then, you know, you can talk. And I love people, but when there's jobs to be done, I'm like, we've got to do the jobs. But Josh is just so people orientated. So he will stop to talk to everyone. It's been really helpful for me to understand because I will think like, oh my gosh, like I'll get frustrated if Josh wants to stop and talk to everyone and I just need to get a job done. But then I think, well, that's that's his nature. That's who he is. And then probably helps Josh understand when I get a bit driven with the tasks as well. So maybe for you to think about, are you people orientated? Are you task orientated? And that's okay to be either or, but it's, I think it's just helpful to know. And um, may we always be growing in grace for people and loving people. So there you go. That's a little take home for you. All right. So that's relationship. There's a grace on relationship. And um, who knows what God is going to do through that, hey? I think there's still many more testimonies to come in the days and weeks ahead. All right, the second one is discipleship. I think there's also a grace on discipleship, which flows from relationship. And who knows, we're not just like out in our world socialising just to have fun. And yes, although being a Christian is sometimes, you know, there's battle points and there's seasons to push through, it should be fun. Being a Christian should be like an abundant awesome life but then I also think we're on a mission to make disciples of people and I know Karen Hewitt at Soul Sisters she did a discipleship session and she just said she's a senior minister of one of the other churches in our movement and on our national leadership team and she just said she makes the interactions count time is short you know so I think when we're out and about let's make our interactions count let's be helping people on their journey if they're hungry and wanting it and um, yeah life is short and you know what? Imagine if we focused, all of us, on just discipling one person. We would double in size. If we just had one person on our heart that we're going to sew into and love on and, like, willing, willing participant, not just um, forcing people. But I think, um, I don't think God puts a big vision in our hearts. And I know you, as a church, have a big vision to love people and to um, serve people. I don't think he puts a big vision to love people without gracing us to actually put our boots to the ground and our hands to the plough and actually see people grow. So thank you, God, for an increased grace on us for discipleship. That was the second one, ripping through it. And the third one is trust. I just believe there's going to be a grace in this season to trust him, for deep trust in him and not our own ability. And again, we saw that in Amos, like without God, it's we're fraught, life is fraught. And God loves to use people who feel inadequate. Amos was just a shepherd. He was really a nobody, but God wanted to use him just to speak to the people of Israel. And you know when you're like not competent, it requires you so much more to trust in God. And so I think that is why God loves to use those of us who feel incompetent and imperfect because there's no confusion whose the glory is then. And so I just want to encourage us, if you feel incompetent or like you have nothing to offer, that's exactly who God wants to use. He wants to use you. He wants to use us. He wants to use an imperfect church like us, rough around the edges to change the world because then there's no confusion whose the glory is. And, you know, for all of the prophets in the Old Testament, imagine the deep trust it would have taken to prophesy the judgment of God on an entire nation. Like, 
That would have been huge. Imagine, and Jonah ran from it. Like, and I don't blame him. I just think, um, but may we put our trust in God, our strength and our confidence in him. He's, and may his grace just continue to be at work within us to trust him where we maybe are struggling and I love the byproduct of trust. It says in Ephesians 1 that those who trust in him will get endless energy and boundless strength. Um, and it says in Isaiah 40 that even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall, but those who trust in the Lord will renew their strength and rise, on, rise and soar on wings of eagles. So trust leads to a lot of good things. And... Um, I just believe there's going to be a grace, maybe where there's been circumstances out of our control and we've just been struggling to trust God or see what he's even doing, that there'd be a grace to trust and know that God is working in all of those situations. So may our trust be deeply rooted in God's faithfulness and not in our own performance or efforts. May there be a grace to let go of the striving and trust in him. It's him who started the good work in us. It's him who will finish it. It's him who's going to build his church. It's him who's going to draw all men to himself. It's him who will enable us to tap into boundless energy and endless strength as we trust him. And it's him who will enable us to rise and soar on wings of eagles as we trust him. That's exciting, hey? There's pretty good promises as we trust God. So... And I'll pray at the end for those of us who might be struggling with that one in particular. And then my last one, so we've had relationship, discipleship, trust. And then I feel lastly, there's a grace for faith in this season um, to believe big. And I just want to ask us, what are you believing for? What do you see for your future? What are your hopes and dreams and I know Michael and Kath did an awesome lesson at Kids Church on this recently where they asked the kids what their dreams were and I know our oldest 10 year old son Zeke said he wants to be a preacher and then um, my how old is Taj seven seven year old son said he wants to be a football player and Esther who's four said she wants to be a big wave bodyboarder <laughs> I'm like, where did she get that from? I don't even know if we know if she knows anyone who's a big wave bodyboarder. And Tamina was still thinking. So I think um, maybe we have dreams. Like, how much do we have dreams as a kid, and then as an adult, we just kind of think, oh, my life's getting short. I'm probably not going to achieve things. Dream big. Who knows what God wants to do in us? And I really feel in this season, God is wanting to do the impossible. And the same that Henry Ford quote again. We might have in mind faster horses and a car, but God's got an entire new thing in mind—a car, a fast car with a new engine. And so may we not limit God. Banning Leipzig says nobody ever changed the world by playing it safe. And um, I, Richard, guy who's on our NLT, and he was here recently. He posted this on Instagram at the same time I was preparing this message, and I just loved it. So there's the Banning Leipzig quote, and then it says, "I believe it's time for us to get a little radical in how we think and what we are believing God for. Think bigger, believe God for greater, and expand our capacity to embrace what God wants to do upon the earth." Faith must see with supernatural eyes. Hebrew 11.1 1 says, Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Our faith stands on what we see supernaturally, not what we see naturally. So I want to ask you this morning, what do you see supernaturally? Not in your natural circumstances. What do you see with eyes of faith that God could do through you and in you and in your family and in your workplace and in your community? May our faith be so big that our dreams can only be achieved with the intervention of God. Otherwise, it's just well done to us on our human efforts and striving and planning. I think, again, let them be so big that only God can be the one who actually gets the glory for them being achieved. And, um, yeah, I believe that's going to be the story of this church. 
Um, we're going to have big dreams. We have big dreams. And I know God is going to be the one who outworks those as we continue to trust in him. And I just feel, church, for us, God is not finished here yet. This is only just the beginning. We've had many amazing years and so many incredible things that have happened through this church. And I know there's going to be many more incredible testimonies um, in and through us. And greatest days are yet ahead. Amen. Amen. I might get the band up. So... <coughs> I hope that all made sense. I often find I have a lot in my heart, but trying to order it and make get it out in a way that is coherent is always a battle, but I hope that has encouraged you this morning. So in summary, God has had us on a journey. Um, he's been upgrading the engine, room of, engine rooms of our lives and the church, strengthening our weaknesses, strengthening our strengths so that we can run with all that he's wanting to pour out in the future, that Amos 9, 11 to 15, abundant blessing. May we ever increasingly be growing in grace along those lines in the days to come. As we saw in Amos, it doesn't work without it. His unmerited favour, which regenerates and strengthens and empowers us. And four areas, I believe, God is strongly gracing us in in this season. Firstly, for relationship. It's all about people. That was the message of Amos. That's what they lost sight of. Secondly, discipleship, which flows from relationship. Let's make our interactions count. And thirdly, he's gracing our ability to trust in him. And then I know there's going to be strength and energy and a renewing and a soaring that flows from that. And lastly, believing for grace for radical faith to believe for the impossible and watch this space because I believe God is writing an incredible story right before our very eyes. And um, let's dream big, church, because I know what he's wanting to do is big. Let's stand. I'm going to pray. And um, may God just encourage you and minister to you. And may even as we worship, I'm just believing if any of those areas you are, you're believing for grace in, maybe you want them more, maybe you just want grace in every area, I encourage you just to ask. And I believe God is going to pour it out this morning as we worship. So, God, I just thank you that you're the God of grace, that you sent Jesus who became grace for us. I thank you that we no longer have to strive. We don't have to earn your love, God. We don't have to perform, God. I thank you that we live in grace days. I thank you that, Jesus, you died so that we could be free from sin and death and striving. And I just pray that you help us to live in that grace, God. I thank you that you've been renewing the engine room of our hearts, of our lives, that you've even been going deeper in the life of the church, that you're wanting to strengthen us, God, to prepare us for the incredible blessing that you're wanting to pour out in this season and as we head into 2020. And I just thank you for the tangible graces that I believe you've put on my heart, you're pouring out in this season. I thank you for a grace on relationship. I thank you that you are reconciling hearts to yourself, that you are reconciling relationships that have been broken. I thank Thank you, Father, for healing. I thank you for relationships, even in this room that we might, believing, might be believing for that are on our hearts that have just, we thought they're beyond redemption. There's just too much brokenness, God. I thank you that you are reconciling even the most broken of relationships in this season. I thank you that we're going to see people streaming to you, streaming to your house to be planted because you've healed wounds, God. So we thank you for a grace on relationship. Help us to be available. Help us just to be putting our trust in you as we continue to bless people. We thank you for a grace on discipleship, God. Not only are we going to connect with people, but we're going to take them on a journey, God. And we're going to see people planted and growing and flourishing in the things of you. And for those of us who haven't felt confident and thought, I wouldn't even know, I don't even know how to disciple myself, let alone someone else, God. I just thank you there's going to be a tangible grace from heaven to disciple that only comes from you. We thank you for trust, God. 
We thank you that where there's situations and circumstances that seem out of our control, and we heard about it earlier when Josh was praying, there's some big situations that families and loved ones are facing, God. We just pray there will be a grace to deeply root our trust in you, God. And I just thank you for anyone who is battle weary from perhaps believing for breakthrough in certain situations that has required their trust to be in you. I thank you the promise is for endless energy and boundless strength as we put our trust in you. Thank you for a grace to trust. And lastly, God, a grace for faith, God. I thank you. You are wanting us to believe big in this season, God. May we have crazy, risky faith that leads to dreams that will only ever be fulfilled in you, God. For those of us who have forgotten how to dream, I thank you that you remind us, stir fresh dreams, fresh visions in hearts. I thank you, God, for the, for the purpose that is going to be outworked in the lives of those here. I thank you for the purpose that you're going to outwork in this church, God. Greatest days yet ahead. We thank you that you're a good God and we thank you for grace abundant. Amen. Thank you, worship team.